And it's my prayer, my desire, um, is what I've written there, to glow closer with Jesus in your walk, okay, and be a bringer of grace in all that you do. So hopefully as I share my journey and my lessons of a pinky finger with you this morning, that that would be the reality for you. I loved what um, Scott said in his welcome, that everybody here is here for a reason. God wants to be personal with you. God wants to take you on a journey, and it's very personal. So hopefully, not hopefully, it is my prayer this morning that as, as we get into this message with what God's laid on my heart, that your mind and your heart can settle and that the Holy Spirit can fall upon you. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or whether you've never, you don't even understand what that means, is that the Holy Spirit would fall upon you and that God, in his quiet and amazing way, will speak into you and encourage you and, and take you on some journey this morning. All right, Neil, if you want to go to the next slide. All right, so... This is how the story starts and of course those of you who know me know that I love riding motorcycles. It's probably something if you follow me on Facebook you'll see a little bit. And um, my story um, is a little bit to start with motorcycle driven. So hang in there with me a little bit please. We need some context to my story. All right. So if you don't like motorcycles and you think you're dangerous, well this might just help add a bit more fuel to that fire. Um, you see... That motorcycle there is not mine. It used to <laughs> belong to a, um, another person in this church, Trent. Trent used to own that beautiful motorcycle. And there was a period of time around June, July last year where I was not able to ride my motorcycle. And I was a little bit keen to go for a ride. And Trent said, you can borrow mine. Now, if you know anything about motorcycles, most motorcycle riders kind of worship their motorcycle a little bit too much. They do, and they would never let someone ride their motorcycle because it's, it's too precious. That is not Trent. Um, I don't even think that's me, to be honest. Plenty of people have borrowed my bikes to ride them. It certainly is not Trent. He almost begged me to use his motorcycle. Needless to say, the day before, there was a very large storm at the top of Mount Glorious, and that is the road, if you can see it, there is a road underneath that tree that we rode through that day. And as I rode around that piece of tree, I accidentally, being a different bike that I've never ridden before, touched the front brake and dropped the motorbike. Now, when you drop a motorbike, it's not good. It's really embarrassing. And um, I had to wait until I was... You, I broke my first ever bone last year. And I'll let you do the mass. So I had to wait till I was 25 before I broke my first bone. Now, dropping doesn't mean you fall off. Dropping means you fall over with the motorcycle. The motorcycle hits the ground. And so um, what happened to that motorcycle is that it, the damage was so bad um, that Trent, um, luckily <laughs> had insurance, but we fixed it and he sold it and got rid of it straight away. Um, and it was a really nice bike, so sorry, Trent. Um, so if you go to the next slide, I'm going to give you the first lesson God has taught me. Oh, no, not quite. So that's what happened to me. The motorcycle broke, and I broke my first ever bone at 25 years old. So you can see there... 
But yeah, oh, no, I'm 26 now. Anyway, no, it's all right. So I actually had to wait till I was 48 years old to break the first bone in my body. And um, it was a little tiny thing. It's like a slither. And you can see it there in the x-ray. It's quite ridiculous, actually. But it really does hurt. I was really surprised at how much a broken bone hurts. Or maybe Corey is just really soft. I'll take either interpretation. That is fine. Um, Okay, lesson one, over to the next le- over to the actual lesson. So the first lesson God has taught me through breaking my pinky finger is the word grace. And um, you can see I've got a couple of photos going on up there and there's a couple of things I'm going to share in this point with you and some of it's quite personal, so please bear with me as I go through this one. And you can see the Ephesians verse there. So I actually want to go to that one first. Now, I've got the NIV version up there for you, but I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, just to confuse you. I like to do those sorts of things. So uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And the following verse actually goes on and says we are God's masterpiece. You see, it's free. And anybody who tells you about becoming a Christian and and you've got to take a step of faith and all of those sorts of things, it's true. But the grace of God is an amazing thing. And at times, for me, it's overwhelming. It's too big to even comprehend that a cosmic God of the universe would care and love about love me and you, every human on this planet, for all eternity, would care about each and every one of us to send his son to carry the weight of our sin. Because I know I am far from a perfect person, I'm just a normal, average, Joe Blow kind of guy. And I do fall short. And this cross, the symbol of the cross, and the grace, the symbol of grace that God gives us, that free gift, none of us can earn it. It's free. All we've got to do is accept it. And it was a bit of a revelation to me, which is why I've chucked that photo there of good old Trent in the middle and his motorcycle. You see, Trent again gave me an opportunity to experience grace. Because when I talk about God's grace and the cross, sometimes it's so big, so incomprehensible, I miss its point. And um, Trent showed me an enormous amount of grace. Now, I just want a little bit of backstory to that grace. You see, as a, as a 13-year-old boy, when I got kicked out of home, I had to learn to do it tough. I had to learn to be strong and make things happen for myself. And so anybody who knows me really, really well means I can be very stubborn when people want to help me and when people want to do things out of love for me. I am very stubborn. And we'll just want to ignore them and keep doing it my way because I'm just it's just part of who I'd become. So to accept the grace and the love from someone else for me is a very, very, very humbling experience in the physical. Trent, thank you. you are, now, I'm sure there's another story that's happened for Trent in this process. 
um, with his motorcycle and the way he responded to me. But his grace level was out of sight. Very humbling for me. At no point, when we joke about it every now and then, but Trent's even offered me the keys to his new bike, I think with a bit of hesitation. Um, but at no point has Trent ever had an issue. The first question Trent asked me when I sheepishly sent him a message saying, I've dropped your bike, was, are you okay? That's the grace of God. You see, the grace of God, it's not about the things that we do. It's about us. How are you? So my question for you this morning as you sit here, please remember, this has been something I've had to walk through this past six months. As I broke my finger and God's talking to me about this, this is a journey that I've journeyed on. God's been asking me, how are you? Talk to me about how you are in your relationship. So could I ask you this morning, go there, go there. Go there with the loving Father who loved you so, so much that he gave up something very precious so that he could have a relationship with you. Go there with him. He wants to know, how are you? Because he really cares. Now, I've included another little picture up there onto the, to the far uh, right-hand side. Yeah, that's the guy I'm about to talk to, Anna. And there's... A <laughs> I'm going to share from what really have been tossing and turning with the Lord whether to share this this morning. This is my middle son. He turns 21 years this year. So it's not my oldest, it's my middle son. You don't see him around here anymore because he's decided that church is boring and it's no fun and he really actually is lost. And I share it with you because... We all know people who are lost. We all have loved ones who are lost. And I want to be honest and open with you on that topic. You see, daily almost, I have to show grace to my son who still lives at home, who is unemployed, who is in trouble with the law, whose car is broken, who is not a real good family member to us, and I have to keep going, Jesus, I need you. I have to have him central to my thoughts towards him. And I can't help but think of the cross whenever I deal with that process and what God did for me, for me who was so undeserving of a relationship with him. It's the same thing. And no way, <laughs> to me, there's no other way my son is going to know the love of God if his own father can't show that to him. If today you have a child that's like a prodigal son that is lost and walked away from God and family, if you come forward at the end of this, let's pray about that together. It doesn't have to be me praying with you, but come forward and get people around you to pray for your child who is lost and not walking with God. You see, as my wife and I discuss my last son, sorry, this son over here, my lost son, not last son, my middle son, there's one desire we have for him. It's not that he gets a job, although that would be really nice. It's not that he talks with us and treats us nicely and loves us. It's not that he... <laughs> has his car working, 
It's that he knows Jesus and that he's okay with who he is. That's our prayer for him. If you don't know Jesus and you're sitting in this room right now, I really encourage you to talk to someone about that because I tell you, it is life-changing. Nothing else matters as much as that relationship. Grace. Oh, it's just, it's indescribable on the big level, but down low, I hope that's helped contextualise it for you a little bit from my learning. One last thing. Oh, his name is Kai. Kai, that's right. Thanks for asking, Anna. Um, probably the one thing that I've forgotten to mention in all of this, my, my, my pinky finger still hurts. So whenever I ride my motorcycle, which I probably do a lot, I'm reminded because the pain is there still. So on that finger, I used to have a ring that had a cross. It was a sterling, sterling silver ring that had a cross cut out of it. I cannot wear it on that finger anymore. It was kind of like my... Um, I kind of had it in my head that it was a... As I'm riding my motorcycle and controlling everything that I'm doing there, it's before the Lord. So it's kind of been removed from that, but I've, I've, I've taken the symbolism away. But what it does do in my mind is that every time I'm riding my motorcycle, I then pray. And this is one of the areas that I've been praying into as I ride my bike. All right, next slide. Second, second lesson. All right. So I'm going I'm to share a little bit about you, Ash Brown. You see, when I dropped the motorcycle, it was on a Saturday. So I broke my finger on a Saturday. It's all gone swollen and yucky. And um, I'm here at church on a Sunday morning. Of course, I haven't gone to the doctor. I'm a bloke. She'll be right. Agreed? She'll be right. We're pretty tough. We can handle it. Anyway, Ash Brown. Love you, Ash. He comes over and goes, Corey, have you been to the doctor yet? I'm like, no. And so then he shows me his pinky and what happens to your pinky if you don't go to the doctor. Needless to say, I went to the hospital that afternoon. Straight after church, straight to hospital. <laughs> so... I don't know if you even had an opportunity for this, so don't be offended if this, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Ashley's finger is a bit messed up, all right? And it was enough to shock me into going ahead and doing some discipline. You see, I'm going to read the, the, the piece of scripture up there just to give some context to it. And again, you can read along in the NIV, but I have the New Living Translation. Why do I do that? I just want to give you a mixture of the different types of ways that it gets interpreted. But I'll let you... Let you follow along. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Oh, yeah. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. All right. So, I'm not a very disciplined person. I, I'm really bad at discipline. I, I will, um, if I've got a task I need to do, it's not unusual to find Corey watching Netflix to avoid the task and also to not think about it. It's also not unusual to see Corey um, playing on his stupid phone, a stupid game, just so that he doesn't have to do the task or think about it. I am incredibly undisciplined. And you know, the Bible talks to us about discipline. So, Lord's been teaching me a little bit about discipline. One of my heroes is Smith Wigglesworth. And you can see there some of the exercises you have to... You get this putty stuff, the physio... Not the physio, the... Um, what are you guys called, Karen? OT. 
occupational therapist gives you this putty and you've got to do all these exercises with your finger. It hurts people. To exercise the little tiny finger hurts like anything. And it's months and months and months. I'm still doing those exercises now, six months on, but I can close my fist and it's fully nearly there. All right. Discipline. I've actually done some of it for a change. But it's taught me through that process that in our Christian walk, our discipline needs to be there. Our discipline needs to be there. Um, the reason why I've chucked Smith Wigglesworth up there, and I don't know if you can read the quote from where you sit, so I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to give you some context first. Smith Wigglesworth is probably one of the key founding leaders of the Pentecostal movement. He was a healer. He would walk into a room and people would be healed like that. He would sit in a train and the entire carriage of that train would give their lives to Christ and he would not say a word. These are documented things. At the later years of his life, he would sit in the park, just enjoying the park, and people would come and sit next to him and give their lives to the Lord. But the backstory to Smith Wigglesworth was his discipline was out of sight. He was probably one of the most disciplined people you would ever come across. He wouldn't... I mean, back then they didn't have disruption of Netflix. That's my excuse, all right? And they didn't have mobile phones. He wouldn't even read the newspaper. He would read the Bible only. Why read the newspaper? It's just going to distract you. Who in the past couple of months has been distracted with worldly issues like Donald Trump, impeachment, fires, climate change? Who's gotten into a stupid social media arguments and conversations that actually don't really matter. I have. I have. They don't really matter. That was his opinion towards it. I'm just going to read the quote. It's a pretty heavy quote. Don't make it religious, please. All right? And what I mean by that is don't be offended by it. Be inspired by it. Okay. The reason the world is not seeing Jesus is the Christian people are not filled with Jesus. They are satisfied with attending meetings weekly, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. Folks, I'm guilty of that. I am guilty of that. It is an awful thing for me to see people who profess to be Christians are lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers' lives that it is difficult to tell which place they are in, whether they are in the flesh or in the spirit. It's a big challenge. And probably one that he could deliver because he just stood aside it. Do you know what I'm saying? He really was quite a pillar in the community. Now, there's some negatives to Smith Wigglesworth, and you can read about them if you want to. He was quite a ferocious man wasn't always nice and very blunt. But it's a blunt word, folks. How's your discipline? That's the question the Holy Spirit wants to speak into you right now. How's your discipline? You might find reading the Bible boring. Well, listen to it. The Word of God is a wellspring. It's a deep spring of life for our souls. If you'd gone through a tough time, have you listened to worship? I forget to, by the way. Okay? Um, for the Bible, I have a Bible app, and I've set it so that it sends me a daily reading. Don't do what I do sometimes and swipe left. 
which, you know, deletes it. Oh, I'm busy. Swipe left. We do that a lot. That's a cultural thing for us now. We're just too busy. How is your discipline? Regular personal worship, meditation on the word and prayer. I just want to read you a little bit from Psalms 18. It's a little bit off track here, but I'll get there. Psalms 18, 1 to 3. Again, from the New Living Translation. This is what David had to write. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my saviour. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. You see, I think the temptation for us, me included, is that we will go to other things to try and fill a hole or a problem or an issue in our lives, and we forget that we've got an untapped. God is already in us and working through us. we just got to actually allow him to speak into that. So for Corey, that means, Corey, stop watching Netflix a little bit and actually just plug in with me. That's why I love my motorbike rides. There's no Netflix, there's no mobile phone, there's no music. It's just me riding a bike, looking at God's amazing creation, and God can speak to me. It's just amazing. It gets me out of the busyness of life. That's why I like my motorbike rides. So if you ever see me posting about motorbike rides, I'm actually just posting about how awesome my travel, my journey, my walk with the Lord has been that day. Maybe I need to rephrase that a little bit. All right. On to point three, lessons of a pinky finger. Thanks, Neil. All right. Overcome. I, um, I posted this here from a little bit of frustration as I observe others and myself in my lack of overcoming the same old, same old. I just want to go through, you know, I keep going through the same process. The same thing keeps dragging me down. I've not overcome it. That picture there is a storm um, just out rural Queensland, just out the back, over the back there. I didn't take it. It's pretty cool though, isn't it? And, you know, we have been through some of the craziest weather patterns here in Queensland and Australia. It's obvious for us all to see. We would have had to have been Smith Wigglesworth, probably not to know about it because we weren't watching the news or reading about it. Um, Sometimes the storms that hit us are so heavy, so big, so overwhelming that we lose sight. We lose sight of what's going on. So I'm just going to... I'm going to unpack that um, scripture verse there, the John one. And again, I'm going to be annoying and read from a different version. So you've got the NIV up there. You can follow along if you want to or in your own Bible app. And I'm going to read um, from the New Living. So John 17, oh, 16, 33. I've told you all of this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows... But take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, 
I want to give you some context to that piece of scripture that's up there. This is just before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, gets taken by the Romans and crucified. This is like his last little message to the disciples. They are about to walk through the world's worst storm of their lives. The bloke they're following, they've given up three years to follow him and he's about to be ripped out of their hands. They thought he was going to be triumphant in Jerusalem, the king of kings, that the Romans would be vanquished and the Jews would again rule Jerusalem. God has a totally different story. They're about to walk through a storm. Hear what he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Folks, the reality is we live on a broken planet. It's the reality. Things aren't always rosy. And we are going to have things happen to us that are painful, that are horrible, that are not great. The rea- that's just the reality. How are we handling that? That's the thing I think the Lord's been talking to me about as I've shared my frustrations as I ride. You see, my pinky finger reminds me to talk to Jesus at the moment. Maybe I'd stopped talking to him on my motorbike. I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. I broke my pinky finger. When I feel the pain in my finger while I'm riding, I talk to Jesus. It's pretty simple. And one of the things I've been sharing with him is my frustration of different things. I've been praying for my son. Why does he not know Jesus? I've been praying for other folk here many, many times who have been trying to overcome something and yet have not. It sits in the not yet category. But Jesus, he says he's already overcome it. We need to have the faith in it. And I'm going to use a bit of a Smith Wigglesworth quote here again. Great faith is the product of great fights. There are men and women in this building who have amazing faith, people. Gather around them. Get beside them. Let them encourage you. Let them walk with you. Let them pray with you. Let them pray for you and join you in battle. This Christianity thing, this church thing, is about us together. When we do it in isolation, which I'm guilty of doing, we miss out on that. Great faith. They build our faith, those pillars of people with great faith in this room right now. There's many, and you probably know some of them. Testimonies are the outcome of great tests I've shared some of my testimony, some of my pain, some of my stuff that I'm trying to still overcome right now with you. Other people have amazing stories, way richer than mine in this room. Great triumphs can only come out of great trials. Some of our most amazing testimonies and stories of God's love God's breakthrough in our lives and the things that we hold on to are from some of our darkest and hardest times. And um, I probably, Ula Price Davies is probably my, my standout at the top. I, I love Ula. 
She's probably not hearing me down the back down there. Um, I still remember visiting Ula in hospital. Second round of, <laughs> of cancer, and the, the, the outlook was grim. Being in there with you, Caitlin, it was, it was heartbreaking. The Lord broke my heart visiting these guys, being there and praying for them. And yet as a church, we were all praying for her. You know, as a youth group, we would gather around and for half an hour we would pray for Ula, even though she wasn't here. The breakthrough, the story, the testimony is that Ula is here. Hey, Ula. <laughs> she can't see. Oh, it's all good. They're all good. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Ula. <laughs> we love when God triumphs through just what seems impossible what seems so impossible. I'm sure Ula's story is still so much more to come. I'm just saying I love you, Ula. You are one of my favourite God stories, young lady. Yeah. And um, there are so many stories like that in this church. So if I was to say one thing, overcome, but do it in family. Don't do it in isolation. There's a reason why Jesus gathered 12 around him. He could have done it on his own. He didn't need any of them. I think he could have established his church just fine without us. Mm, maybe not because he needs us, right? Ah, there's a truth. All right. So as I land the plane on what I'm sharing with you this morning, what's God teaching you at the moment? And in this quietness this morning, as you've asked God to speak to you, what's he been saying to you? His grace, his love for you is completely unbounded, is completely free, it's unconditional. We certainly don't deserve it, and yet he's happy to pour it out upon us. Doesn't matter what we do from there. Are you ready? Do you want to receive more of that grace in your life? Or is God this morning challenging you to be more disciplined? To plug in with him more? That's certainly been my season of late. Or is God asking you to have higher grace for somebody? Has he given you a name to show what grace looks like to them? Or is he just wanting to encourage you to become more of an overcomer of whatever you're walking through right now? Those are the three things that if you want prayer for, that I would offer that you could come up in a moment to get that prayer for that.